Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. Monday afternoon, Memorial Day. Glad to have you along on Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Michael Borky in the studio. Brian Haydad in Starkville. Brian Scott Rippey with me here in Oxford. We are glad to have you along. Hope you are enjoying a day off. If you've got the day off, if you're working today, well, we're glad to have you along for the ride as well. And before we go any farther, certainly this is a uh, a day that is for remembrance and it's a day where uh, we try to say thank you. And uh, we want to say thank you to those who have served. And uh, really, I guess ultimately Memorial Day is about those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice, who have given their lives in service to their country. But really, I think it goes beyond that because everybody who signs up to be part of the military, whether it's the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, the Coast Guard, or even a, a smaller branch of the military, is saying, I am willing to give up my life for my country if that's necessary. And so thank you to all of you who have served, uh, to current military members, personnel, and to the families that support them all along the way. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land and all that goes with it for over 100 years. Mississippi Land Bank, mslandbank.com, where they know the lay of the land. You know, there are people that perhaps would roll their eyes at the fact that we talk baseball in December, and we really start talking college baseball in January. And then when we get to the month of February, I mean, it's, it's kind of equal parts basketball and baseball, and it continues through the season. And Mississippi, we have talked about always, is a unique state when it comes to college baseball because people care so very much about college baseball. And if today is not an indication of why, then I don't know uh, how else to tell you. You've got a national seed, a top eight national seed in Mississippi State. You've got an Ole Miss team that played its way all the way to the number 12 seed and is hosting a regional and a Southern Miss team who absolutely had its back against the wall and was able to win the Conference USA tournament in front of basically a home crowd yesterday against Rice, got great pitching in the Conference USA tournament, and earns a bid into a regional as well. Borky, this is why we talk about baseball for basically the entire year. Yeah, it's so much fun. I got a text from a a buddy who's a, a Clemson fan and asked me, you know what? Do people care about baseball? Baseball out there? We're thinking about going, but we don't want to go somewhere that's boring. <laughs> I just laughed and said, "Buddy, you have no idea what it's like out here." Pack uh, your bags, friend. Yeah, this is awesome. And, and sadly, I'm moving this weekend, so I, I won't be able to uh, accompany some of my buddies up there to, to uh, welcome them to Mississippi. But yeah, this is so awesome. And most maybe people, one day, maybe maybe you could like just take Saturday off, or just take Sunday well, off. Saturday's big process. day, so Sunday would have to be the day. But um, okay, I mean this is so awesome. I've I talked to a buddy who's in radio in Charlotte, for example. He's basically in my position in Charlotte, and now that the Hornets are bad and the Panthers are going to be done with OTA soon, he said they just have to make up stuff to talk about. He said it's so frustrating this time of year, and it's been that way for a couple months. He said. 
Like, well, not for me. This is no. great. We're we're in the middle of everything, and it feels good, man. And hopefully it lasts for another month, and we'll see how long everybody is able to stay alive and continue. Hey, Dad, really no surprise for Mississippi State. We, uh, we've talked about the fact that they were going to be a national seed. Uh, maybe a little bit su- of surprise in the fact that they uh, they fell to this number six line. It uh, doesn't really matter one way or the other because they're a national seed and they're guaranteed the opportunity to uh, to host a Super Regional if they win a regional but this is what we expected for Mississippi State, given the season that they had, that they would be one of those top eight seeds that is protected all the way to Omaha. Yeah, and that's all that matters. If you're one of the top eight and you know that you can host, you have the ability to host the Super Regional if you win, that's really all that matters. I was as surprised as anybody to see State not in the top four, especially when you saw Georgia Tech, Richard's favorite team, get into <laughs> that top four. But it, it all worked out for Mississippi State. They got a pretty good draw. The regional has some exciting teams. I'm, I'm intrigued by a couple of them. The matchup with Stanford potentially in the Super Regional is a good one. And State has its path set now to, for, for a chance to get back to Omaha for the second straight year. So Mississippi State, the number six overall seed. And, again, that means they are, if they win the regional, hosting a Super Regional as well. The number two seed, the Miami Hurricanes. And that's not that's not a gimme number two seed. In fact, oh, no. maybe even a little bit more difficult number two seed than you would have expected for a national seed because Miami was probably one of the last three that was in the mix for a uh, for a host spot and was left out of the hosting situation. Yeah, the, the Hurricanes are definitely a team to, to watch for. Central Michigan is very uh, interesting to me. They've won 18 straight games. They're 43 and 11. They won the MAC regular season and tournament title, so they are one of the hottest teams in the country. And now they'll head down to uh, to Starkville. Uh, that, that that they they have the. Uh, they have a, a, a faint whiff of friskiness about them that I like. 18 wins in a row. That is red hot at the right time of the year. And then Southern University out of Baton Rouge is the uh, the number four seed. They won the SWAC and so got an automatic bid into the tournament. They are the four seed. In Oxford, Ole Miss is the number 12 overall seed. Illinois out of the Big Ten is the number two seed. Clemson out of the ACC is the three seed. And then Jacksonville State out of the Ohio Valley Conference. They won the Ohio Valley Conference tournament. They are the number four seed in Oxford. And, Rippy, I guess we start with the fact that Ole Miss is a number 12. I think most people thought that they would be the 16, maybe at best the 15. This almost says to me that Ole Miss was potentially going to host even if they had lost the game to Georgia on Saturday in the SEC tournament semifinals. Ooh, I, uh, I'm not sure if I necessarily agree with that, but I get your point that okay. maybe after Saturday, it was it was it was enough, which was kind of my original instinct and what me, you, and Haydad and Borky had talked about all week is kind of if, you, if Ole Miss got to Sunday, I think that was enough. You know, it kind of changed because the RPI didn't you know dip down into the teens or or around twenty like some people thought. But my thinking on it was. Is if the committee was was overlooking Ole Miss's problematic RPI to give them a host spot over Texas A and M, then they probably wouldn't be the sixteen. Because if you're overlooking RPI, they're better on paper. It seems in a lot of other metrics than maybe the twelve and then maybe the four, fifteen, sixteen, fourteen. Maybe twelve is a little high. I actually didn't think they'd be the fifteen or sixteen because once the committee said the RPI, you know, we're, we're willing to look past that. The other metrics were pretty strong. I thought it was interesting. I heard Keith Kessinger say in the uh, postgame show yesterday that he said, you know, your hope as you sit here and you wait to find out if Ole Miss is going to be a regional host 
is that ultimately the committee didn't make their decision based on just one game. That, that the outcome of just one game, whether or not you win or lose against arguably the best team in the country, is not the difference in whether or not you host. It appears as if that was ultimately, well, obviously that was ultimately not the uh, not the case as uh, Ole Miss is hosting. And then Southern Miss, hey, Dad, I said this a second ago, backs completely against the wall. Yep. We'll, we'll never know for sure if Southern Miss had lost that game yesterday, if they would have gotten in as an at-large team, but it feels like the only route that Southern Miss had to get into the tournament, and certainly the only way to guarantee that they would be in the tournament, was to win the Conference USA tournament, and they did just that, and they did it because of great pitching down in Biloxi. And they got a walk-off win, win on Wednesday, I think, that you know kept their, their season alive, basically. So yeah, thanks Southern- to us. Yeah, <laughs> you're right about We're that. taking credit for that? Yeah, we but are. We should, we should be taking credit for a couple of things. Nobody else was giving Ole Miss a chance to host. And we started talking about it on Monday and said, look, if they, if they go far, they could get there. And we were right about that. We were right about, or at least I was, I think you guys have said it too, that the NCAA seating process is the NCAA's seating process, and they don't have to follow any strict rules or regulations. That's why I was pretty sure State and Ole Miss or State and LSU were going to get matched up because – they can just do what they want, and they did. You know, Ole Miss is a 12 seed. Nobody saw that coming, and people were surprised, but I wasn't because the NCAA does what it wants. So, yeah, between you know, we, we had a good week of predictions on this show. Mark it down; it may never happen again. Well, and, and I guess it probably would be worth putting the caveat. We say the NCAA does what they want, and a lot of times we lump the NCAA and anything related to the NCAA in like one big basket. I do think it's important to remember that this is a selection committee that is chaired by Ray Tanner, who is the athletics director at South Carolina and is a former baseball coach. And you got a bunch of baseball people that are on the committee. And so it's not necessarily well, it's not it's not it's not, not Mark Emmert making these decisions. Yeah. It's not Mark Emmert making the decisions, and it's not guys that were involved in violations investigations that right. might have some vendetta or something like that that are making the decisions it's a bunch of baseball people who are sitting in the room and studying all of those metrics uh, southern miss is the three seed in the baton rouge regional lsu got the number 13 overall seed arizona state is the two seed there pretty good team out of the pac-12 southern miss the three and then stony brook who had a little magic in baton rouge a few years ago and played themselves all the way to the College World Series is the number four seed in Baton Rouge. When we come back, we'll take a look at the entire field of 64 teams. Who are the top eight national seeds? What about everybody else? Are there upsets that we should be looking for? We will take a deep dive into the NCAA tournament field. When we come back with you on this Memorial Day Monday, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Southern Miss in the field of 64. We're back after this. 11 o'clock this morning on ESPNU. You got the field of 64 for the NCAA baseball tournament revealed. UCLA, the number one overall national seed, as was expected. Uh, a couple of things to get into. Conferences matched up with each other in super regional rounds. When you have a bunch of teams that are in regionals and you have a bunch of teams that are national seeds and a couple of more teams that are hosting, the reality is you're going to have some teams paired up in Super Regionals, and that is the uh, the case for multiple SEC teams. 
Uh, the case for a couple of Big 12 teams, case for a couple of Pac-12 teams as well. And I would argue that the Big 12 and the Pac-12 maybe have a little bit more to argue about or be frustrated about than the uh, the SEC. So we will uh, – uh, let's walk through that. Ooh, I don't know. No? How about that last spot? How in the world does TCU get in over Missouri? Because they're – No, no, I meant only in – Two teams from the same conference hosting and potentially being paired up in a super regional. I got you. I got you. All right. So, uh, how should we do this, Borky? Should we just walk through the entire field first? Do you yeah, want to do that first. TV for for places first? What do you want to do? Walk through the field, and as you're walking through the field, tell us who's on TV. All right. So the Los Angeles regional, UCLA, the number one overall seed, Baylor out of the Big Twelve is the two. Loyola Marymount, who is also a California team, maybe even a Los Angeles team, is the number three seed. And Omaha, University of Omaha at Nebraska, won their league. They are the four seed. That's in Los Angeles at Jackie Robinson Stadium. Roxy Bernstein and Wes Clements are the TV announcers. It is paired up with the Corvallis Oregon Regional. So you if uh, if you if Chalk holds if UCLA wins and Oregon State wins, then you will only get one of those two Pac-12 teams in uh the College World Series in Corvallis. Oregon State is the one, Creighton is the two, another Omaha team. So two teams from the city of Omaha trying to get to Omaha for the College World Series. Michigan is the 3 seed and Cincinnati who won the American Conference tournament down in Clearwater is the uh, four seed. And Corvallis, Rich Waltz, and J.T. Snow are the uh, the announcers. Nashville, Vanderbilt, the number two seed. They got Indiana State. I'm, I'm I'm sorry, Vanderbilt, the number two overall. They are the number one seed in Nashville. Indiana State is the two. McNeese State is the three, and Ohio State is the four. They are paired up with Morgantown, West Virginia. So West Virginia does host. They're the 15 overall. Texas A&M goes to Morgantown. They are the two. Duke is the three. And Fordham University is the four. In Nashville, uh, let's see, you've got Dave Neal and Todd Walker on the call. And in Morgantown, Mark Neely and Mike uh, Lavalier. Is the, uh, he's the color analyst. Uh, number three national seed, and this is a little bit of a surprise to me, uh, Georgia Tech out of the ACC gets the number three national seed. That's where Auburn will go as the number two seed. Coastal Carolina out of the Sun Belt, they won the automatic bid as the three. Florida A&M is the four. Steve Lennox and Rusty Enzer will be doing that regional, and they are paired up with Chapel Hill, where you've got North Carolina as the one, Tennessee as the two, Liberty as the three, UNC Wilmington as the four, Kevin Brown and J.P. Aaron Sebia on the uh, on the call. Um, does that guy, does Georgia Tech as the number three surprise you guys? Very much, very much. When you look at their and, roster. and not because I've made jokes about Georgia Tech. No, being no, soft. no. I mean. No, but when you look at their resume compared to Mississippi State, I don't get it. State had more wins, more Quadrant 1 wins, had a higher RPI. Uh, Georgia Tech had four Quadrant 3-4 losses. State didn't have any. Obviously, State had a low, a much lower non-conference strength of schedule, but they were far superior in every other aspect. And Georgia Tech did not win the ACC or the ACC tournament. So I don't see what, no pun intended for Georgia Tech, but what the buzz is about here with them getting the three seed. I don't see how, how they did it. Nice. Um, 
Yeah, so I I, uh, I I I was actually a little surprised by this too because it seemed like as uh, from an Ole Miss perspective, like covering that, as Ole Miss got further and further into the week, it seemed like the stronger their case for a two seed got, the closer they got they they got by being rewarded to just going to Atlanta versus being shipped off to well you thought for a while Coral Gables or somewhere else on the East Coast or even Corvallis or somewhere like that, and so like from that vantage point that melt. That made them feel like a much like I guess weaker national seed, and I was surprised they moved all the way up to the four or whatever they were. I just I guess both things can be true, but when you see like Ole Miss keep winning and they get put from Coral Vallis, Corvallis to Atlanta as like I guess a quote unquote reward for winning, yeah. you're surprised when they jump that high. But I guess both things can be true at once. Yeah, and again, Auburn is the number two seed in Atlanta, and Tennessee is the number two seed in Chapel Hill. Georgia, the number four overall team hosting in Athens. They've got Florida Atlantic, who won the regular season in Conference USA and then lost in the tournament championship game to Southern Miss as the number two seed. Florida State is the three seed, final year for Mike Martin. And I think I heard 57th overall appearance for Florida State in a regional. Mercer is the four seed. Tom Hart and Kyle Peterson doing the television in Athens. In Baton Rouge, LSU, uh, the number 13 seed, Arizona State, is the 2. Southern Miss is the 3. Stony Brook is the 4. And you've got uh, Mike Morgan and Ben McDonald on the call there. Arkansas, the number 5 national seed. They're hosting in Fayetteville at Baumwalker Stadium. Cal, California Bears, uh, Golden Bears, I guess, the number 2. TCU, maybe the surprise of the at-large uh, teams in the field is the number three seed in Fayetteville. Central Connecticut State is the number four seed. Ole Miss hosting in Oxford as the number 12 overall seed. The Rebels uh, matched up with Jacksonville State in their first game, who is the number four, the champions out of the Ohio Valley Conference. Illinois is the two. Clemson is the three. In Fayetteville, Jim Barber and Scott Pose will be calling the games. Uh, I actually get to stay home this year. I will be nice. in Oxford with Lance Cormier. For the uh, for the Oxford Regional, so Lance Cormier, former pitcher at Alabama, TCU, make it make sense. It doesn't. And then it they brought it. who it brought who, who did they bring on? Or did y'all watch the selection show earlier? I was like kind of halfway watching. Yeah, it was Ray Tanner, the the committee chair. His justification was was that that they're now getting healthy. But I just I watched on Tuesday. Steve, is it Beiser or Beezer for Steve Beezer? Beezer, making sure I had that correct. Make the same case. I mean, Missouri had a, what, a 31 RPI versus 59, and Ray Tanner's justification was that TCU was getting healthy, but I watched Beezer make the same case. He's like, we battled through ridiculous injuries. We're about to get as healthy as we've been all year. It doesn't make sense. They got in because they like Jim Sloshnagel and TCU as a name in college baseball, and they're frogs and they're purple. That is literally it. It's because it, and, and by the way, TCU lost a pitcher for the season like a week ago. And Missouri can win a regional with that pitching staff. You can't convince me otherwise. I'm not saying it'd be a good chance, but that team is a team that you would not want to see as a two or a three in a regional. And the fact that TCU gets in with the 59 RPI is a travesty. And I think it's and Missouri had an RPI of like 31, 31. And yeah. I think it's them just putting a cap on SEC teams, whether they want to admit it or not. But I think that's a really bad look. Wonder if there, Missouri there wishes in hindsight that they would have gone ahead and accepted the postseason ban for this year. Yeah, there is an audible. There was an audible. What when TCU was put on the screen in Starkville at the uh, at the MSU gathering? 
Mississippi State, the number six overall seed in the tournament. They will be in Starkville for as long as they win, all the way up into the until the College World Series. Miami out of the ACC, the two. Central Michigan, the three. Hey, Dad told you a minute ago, Central Michigan. The Chippewas have won 18 straight games. And then the Jaguars of Southern University, the number four seed. It's paired up with the Stanford Regional. Stanford, the number 11 seed in the tournament. UC Santa Barbara, who for a while looked like they were going to host, and then they had a terrible weekend against Cal Poly to finish out the regular season. Fresno State, the number 3. Sacramento State is the number 4. In Starkville, the television folks, Roy Philpot and Nick Belmonte, Roy Philpott's been doing it for a, a long time. Nick Belmonte, uh, you may remember him from CSS, does a few games for ESPN now. Uh, he was the, uh, I think he's the all-time leading stolen base guy at uh, at Florida. And then out in Palo Alto or Stanford, uh, if you prefer, I think that's what they call it now, Sam Ravitch and Kevin Stocker. It's your boy, Borky, Sam Ravitch. Oh, I can't wait. See, when you watch that regional, just be ready for 10 minutes of putting the game <laughs> in the bottom corner of the screen and having a chat with Dad while not even referencing the game at all. That'll be great. Holy nepotism. Louis, the, uh, Louisville, the number 7. Uh, they've got Indiana as the 2. Illinois State is the 3. And Illinois-Chicago, the Flames from the Horizon League, back in once again this year. Uh, that's in Louisville, paired up with uh, the Greenville-North Carolina Regional, East Carolina, the number 10 seed, with NC State as the 2, Campbell as the 3, Quinnipiac as the 4. In Louisville, you've got Clay Maffick and Chris Burke. In Greenville, John uh, Metaparel and Troy Eklund. And then uh, Oklahoma, let's see, Texas Tech, the number 8 seed overall. Dallas Baptist, the 2, the Florida Gators, the 3, and then Army, the 4, the Black Knights. Paired up with the number nine seed overall, Oklahoma State. They are now hosting in Oklahoma City, not in Stillwater, uh, because of all the flooding they've had in the state of Oklahoma. UConn, the number two seed in Oklahoma City, followed by Nebraska, the three, and Harvard is the uh, the four in Lubbock. Mike Cousins, Greg Swindell, and in Oklahoma City, Lowell Galindo and Keith Moreland. More coming up, Renaissance Bank Studio. Monday afternoon, happy Memorial Day. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, and Michael Borky. And right now on the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team. A guy who was able to stop sweating all middle of the afternoon yesterday because he didn't have to wait to find out what his regional fate was, what the regional fate of his team was, because they just kicked down the door. Scott Berry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss. Coach, congratulations. I know the last couple of weeks of the season have uh, have been tough on your team and tough on you, but what a way to cap it. Uh, I tell you what, we're having some technical difficulty. You sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. I can't. I can't. Let's. Uh, we're going to try and re. There you, there you are. How about that? Is that any better, Coach? That's a. That's a lot better. A lot better. Instead of saying all that stuff again, how about I just say congratulations? What a way to finish the regular season in the conference tournament. Well, you know, Richard, we've talked. It's been kind of an up and down year, honestly. Even though, you know, we were able to to finish uh, in the conference tournament like we like we needed to. Honestly, I I didn't feel good going into it, putting it in the hands of the committee. Even though I thought that you know our league was going to be a two bid league, you just can't ever plan on you know upsets not happening, and, and they did happen during the tournament. But 
our guys really played well, and uh, you know, I can't can't be more proud of them and the way that they came out and played good, solid baseball for four straight games. We, um, I, I'm not sure exactly where to start, so let's just kind of rewind to Wednesday. We were doing an interview with Luke Johnson, and it was four to one. And I guess it was in the bottom of the ninth inning. And coach, we weren't burying you at, th- at that point, but it looked pretty grim. And then a run scores, and then you get a huge base hit to score another couple of runs, and you force it to extra innings. And Matt Walner comes up with a huge home run. Did that kind of jump start you, or did it give your guys the confidence to know that look, we, we if we play good baseball, we can win this thing? Well, it was an explosion of momentum, honestly, uh, when he yeah. walked that thing off. Uh, you know, up to that point, honestly, we hadn't gotten a guy to second base uh, until the seventh inning of that game and only had one hit. Cantorino, which was our preseason pitcher of the year in our conference, who ended up being the pitcher of the year, we got him three weeks earlier over in at Rice on that Friday night. But, boy, he was spot on uh, there on Wednesday in the opening day of the tournament. But, you know, I think you got to tip your hat to our pitching staff of holding Rice to just four runs and not letting them extend the lead. And, and honestly, giving our offense to catch up late as, as we got in their bullpen, and that's exactly what happened. So if the game would have been seven innings, you know, we would have been in the loser's bracket. But luckily it's a nine-inning game, and uh, we were able to turn it on like, like you've seen so many times in baseball, and that happens. And, uh, and it just really just propelled us into, into a team of momentum. Let's stick with pitching. We've talked so much about Walker Powell throughout the uh, throughout the course of the season, but the uh, the guy who kind of grabbed the headlines this weekend for you and Biloxi was uh, was Gabe Shepard. He uh, what seven and a third no hit. Your guys combined for a no hitter in the conference tournament. I think it was the first no hitter of any kind at Southern Miss since two thousand four. If I uh, if I read that correctly, just a, a pretty remarkable performance for a guy who in some ways has kind of flown under the radar this year. Well, he has. He was a young man who was a uh, Tommy John surgery uh, guy out of high school last year, and uh, his his senior year was cut short because of that injury. We kind of uh, brought him along all fall, and towards the end of the fall, we let him kind of start throwing to hitters live. And, and as we got into the season, we would uh, we would occasionally start him on a Sunday, just because we felt like that gave him the proper warm up that needed to get everything with us to start a game, knowing that he might only go just one or two innings, but just really grooming him for for later on in the season. And you know, sometimes the plan works out. It certainly did uh, in in that case, but. You know, I think last uh, week ago Tuesday when we played Troy and we started in that game, and he threw a phenomenal five-inning outing for us. And, you know, I was really anxious to get him back out there because, you know, all head coaches or coaches of any kind are are looking for consistency out of their players. And I wanted to see if he could could double that thing up. And, and of course, I didn't know he was going to take it to that level. But I'll tell you, he he really was he was on, and he grew up in a in a hurry there on that on that game. We all know that college baseball, maybe more than any any other sport, is about playing your best at the the right time of the year, which is the end of the year. You play well in the conference USA tournament. You get to carry a trophy off the uh, the field at MGM. And now you want to try to carry that momentum into a regional, the number three seed in Baton Rouge. What do you think of your draw? Well, I mean, any draw is a good draw. So, uh, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough regional. You know, LSU is playing good. They had a great tournament up at Hoover. 
Um, you know, I think I don't know much about Stony Brook, but obviously they've played well enough to to get in a regional. Arizona State may have one of the best offenses in the country. Uh, they play in a tough Pac-12 conference, so you know it's it's going to be a dogfight uh, for sure down there in Baton Rouge. But you know, 64 teams across the country, they're all playing well at this time of year. Uh, yeah, I think, and it's all it's a whole new season for everybody. So I think that's what's neat about our sport. Uh, no matter what you've done in the past, everybody's back at zero zero uh, in, in the win loss column, and it all starts over. So there's a new sense of urgency. There's a new sense of consistency that has to be played. You know, you have to ever have 27 players all playing for the, the same thing. That's playing for uh, for each other to go out and, and live another day to play. I don't want to make any assumptions here, so I'll just ask Walker Powell: Does he get the ball in Game One against Arizona State? Well, you know, Richard, he went on short rest yesterday, so you know it's going to be hard to to probably uh, to put him out there. In all honesty, okay. we we've kind of discussed it as a staff. Certainly, we want to protect him, and, and we want to give our team the best chance to win as well. So, and that means, you know, does he have proper rest? Probably not. You know, it's all you'd have a short turnaround there, in which he's already come off from another one uh, from from Wednesday to to Sunday. So. You know, we won't name a starter, uh, you know, until later on, obviously. But, you know, you know, it'd probably be hard to put Walker out there on day one. If he get can, can one extra day of rest make enough of a difference that that you feel really good about him? If he can't pitch the first game, rolling out there in game two and and being the Walker pal that we've all grown accustomed to. I think so. You know, I'll tell you what, he showed me a lot yesterday, you know, coming on that short rest. Uh, you know, he had three days off there, and, and he came out, and he was really good for four innings. You know, he had to pitch out of a jam in the first. We made an error. Uh, they ended up loading the bases with one out. Uh, he induces another uh, ground ball that we, we make a 5-4-3 to end that inning. And, and then from there, he really pitched dominant from that from that point. Uh, until handing it off in the fifth to Stevie Bowers, who was our Thursday starter. So our guys really stepped up on the mound. Now, I think one thing with Walker that a lot of people may have forgotten, he's a double Tommy John surgery guy. So he had one in high school his senior year, uh, set out that, that freshman year for us, and then his redshirt freshman year in the conference tournament, uh, sustained another injury and had to have another Tommy John. So certainly we're very, very protective of him. But, you know, given what the initial question was, we'll we'll see how he feels. But I think certainly that extra day's rest uh, is much needed. Coach, this is fairly unscientific, but I don't know if there's another coll- or uh, another radio show in the country that spends as much time covering college baseball as we do because we love it and because the state of Mississippi loves it. When you look up on on regional selection day and you see the three major Division One teams uh, programs in the state of Mississippi all in postseason play, it's pretty special and just kind of underscores how big a deal it is here, right? Well, it solidifies it's the greatest baseball college baseball state in the nation, and it's not just Division One; it's Delta State, it's mm-hmm. Mississippi College, it's it's all of them. It's a junior college. You got Pearl River. That's out in the Division Two World Series, so you know it's it's a huge baseball state. Uh, you guys make it special because you're a part of it. You spread the word, and I think that excites everybody else. But you know, uh, when I moved here in 1990 from from Missouri, I didn't know I was moving to such a special place that loved baseball like it does. But you know, and and it's it hasn't disappointed in the 29 years that I've been here. 
Well, we uh, are proud to have you as a Mississippian and as an ambassador for the game and uh, certainly wish you nothing but the best. I hope we're talking uh, next Monday about uh, a super regional matchup for uh, for your team as well. Wish you all the best, Coach. Thanks so much for your time, not just today, but all season long. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks, Richard. That's Scott Berry, head baseball coach at uh, at Southern Miss. Good chat with Scott Berry on the Farm Bureau phone line. Southern Miss headed to Baton Rouge where they are the three seed and will meet Arizona State. That game is at high noon in Baton Rouge on Friday. You think it'll be a little soupy at noon on Friday in Red Stick inside that stadium? Yikes. should hydrate yourself well. Yes, yes, with water. What water is the operative well, you drink the water so you can drink other things, so you can drink the baseball water. I think you drink the water in that scenario so that you don't go to the hospital with dehydration. I think those right. people count ice in their bourbon as water. Mm. <laughs> uh, have you checked the forecast for Starkville? You know, I haven't, but I'll make an assumption. Hot. Really hot. But there's this, this, All right, that's, just, that's time of year. Borky, your new thing is fair or foul. Give me a little fair or foul. Yeah, so Mississippi State is going to play in the first game on Friday. A lot of fans were upset on the internet about that one, but uh, Chris Lamona said it gives them more flexibility with weather and maybe a chance to scout uh, their opponents a little bit easier because they won't have a game to focus on. So what do you think, fair or foul, playing your first home regional game at noon on a workday? Hey, Dad, I'll let you go first. Fair. Fair for me. Because, first off, Chris Lamonis's number one over, overarching concern is his team and its ability to win the regional. And if he feels like this is going to give his team an advantage to be able to have extra rest, extra flexibility, then that's what he needs to do. Um, and that said, you know, yeah, are some people not going to be able to make it? Sure. Are we still going to have a huge crowd in Starkville and a great atmosphere? Absolutely, they will. So, to me, it's completely the right decision. I, I go fair. Um, I got no problem with it. If I were the head coach, I would play the game at night. I'd play it under the lights in front of a big crowd and have a great atmosphere. It's just what I would do. But it is not a one-game tournament. It's a regional setting. And if you win your first game, you're going to play in the second game on day two. So you'll get that nighttime atmosphere. You're also going to get big crowds on Saturday and Sunday, assuming you win and you continue to plug along in the regional. And to your point just a second ago, there will be a big crowd at noon on Friday for Mississippi State against Southern University. Will it be as big as if the game had been played at 7 o'clock on Friday night? No, probably not. But how many different – what difference are we talking in people? Is it the difference in – 9,000 and 11,000? Is that what we're talking about, hey, Dad? Well, you get why the fans are upset, right? Like, harder to get to daytime on a work day. Like, it would be bigger if it were night. Yeah, yeah and it's so a little I, bit colder at 8 or 7 than it is at noon. You say a little True, bit colder. Eight. Today, the high in start rule is 90. At 7 o'clock, it's 86. Yeah, but then yeah. at 8 o'clock, it's... 76. Well, but let's not pretend like when the sun goes down, you, you don't have the beating sun on you that's not a little bit more pleasant. I mean, we it's saw that all pleasant, week last week. It's still week. hot. Yeah, it's still that's, hot. That's a huge deal. And by so. the way, forecast for Friday in Starkville, cloudy with a high of 90 and an overnight low of 63. So it's going to be hot. 
but that's fine. Um, I do think when coaches make a big deal about it of, well, it's going to give us a little more time to rest. Eh, a little more time to rest. I mean, you get three additional hours. Okay, congratulations. Three or four additional hours. That's fine. I, I do think there's a pretty good point to be made, though, just kind of in a general sense of you say, well, it it gives us a better chance of not having to deal with weather. Yeah. In the event that a thunderstorm rolls in and everything gets delayed, there's a better chance if you're the first game of the day getting that play game played than having the entire day washed out. You nearly that saw that a year ago in Oxford. It happened in 2016 oh, here in Starkville. Uh, State was scheduled to be the night game. Uh, Cohen made the switch because he looked at the weather forecast and he was afraid of using up Dakota Hudson hmm. in game one of the regional. So State played at noon, and then the 7 o'clock game came along, and guess what happened? It rained, and Fullerton and Louisiana Tech had to uh, change their pitching schedules around, and John Cohen looked like a genius that day. So it, it can happen, and you know, for State it just made more sense for them to uh, to do that this way. Yeah. Ole Miss played Utah in the rain that year. It was great. In the rain? Yeah. Okay. That was the year they went two and through. They lost to the – they got Pac-12 champion Utah's the four seed lost to the two-lane. That's right. Hit a go-ahead home run in the night to beat them in the elimination game. Yeah, I, uh, I remember that well. I was doing that game on television. I was doing that game in the press box. Stadium went from uh, quite electric to pin-droppy. As in, you could hear a pin drop. It was hot then, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it, uh, it was hot. So we're all on board with FAIR. I mean, you're the head coach. You get to make the call, do whatever you want to do, right? Yep. And are we going to pretend like people aren't going to take the day off work to go watch Mississippi State play in a regional in Starkville? Exactly. People are, people are going to come to this game. People will come, I, Richard. It is a tough, though, because you probably just spent some vacation days for Memorial Day weekend, possibly. Well, you got yeah, today's not a vague. You get today. I spent like weekend leading up. Now, all those folks that went to the beach for the entire week, they're just going to come home a day early now. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio, streaming online at supertalk.fm. More coming up after this, four o'clock hours next. Sports Talk Mississippi rolling into the 4 o'clock hour with you on this Monday. Hope you're having a great Memorial Day weekend. If you got the day off, hope it's little friends, little family, maybe a little barbecue, a little something on the grill. Hey, Dad, are you going to light the grill tonight? No comment. Oh, we lost Hey, Dad. We'll get him back in a second. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, maybe you're a farmer and you need to buy a new piece of property, you're going to enlarge the size of the farm. Maybe you need uh, an equipment loan, time to buy a new tractor or one of those cotton pickers or combines, and you've got to get the financing for that. Maybe you need to refinance an existing loan or get a production loan. Well, Mississippi Land Bank, if you are in North Mississippi, can help with all of those things. Also, if you're building that dream house in the country, Mississippi Land Bank has been specializing in financing for all that goes with land for over 100 years. You can find their branch locations on the website, mslandbank.com. They're scattered about North Mississippi. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. We are glad to have you along. The C Spire text line is open this afternoon. 
601-879-4395. Any of you boys going to fire up the grill this evening when you get home from work? I did my thing yesterday since I didn't have to work when you guys apparently did. Um, I ate 32 ounces worth of ribeye steak yesterday. So I had a really in good In one day. sitting? In one sitting, buddy. I, I bought, there, there was some special at the store, and it, it was, there were two packaged in one thing. So I got them both and made them both. And after I ate one, I was like, you know what? Forget it. Let's have the other one too. 32 ounces worth of steak. It was awesome. I took a great nap. Feel really good today. Skinny Borky might not be skinny very much longer if he goes with the 32-ounce steak diet. Dude, wow. I'm, I'm actually down five pounds in the last week and a half or so. I've I've started back my intense regiment. Also, moving is really helping. I don't understand how movers are fat. Move- <laughs> <laughs> moving is exhausting, and I don't know how I don't know how they manage that, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting back on that train, with the exception of yesterday. But that was just... I mean, when you get the chance to eat 32 ounces worth of steak in one sitting, you have to eat 32 ounces worth of steak in one sitting. That's just what it's you do. It's very keto-friendly. Assuming you didn't have, like, a baked potato or something with it, you know? Hey, Dad, could you um, could you knock back two 16-ounce steaks in one sitting? Without batting an eyelash, I could. Really? I wouldn't even get the meat sweats from it. I would just put it down. Oh, God. I mean, I'm like an eight-ounce fillet guy, buddy. Wait till we go out to dinner. You're gonna see. You you gonna learn then. Well, that's fine. I mean, you can eat whatever you want to eat. And no, I, I'm just like it wouldn't matter if somebody else was picking up the check or not. I mean, just because there's a 64-ounce porterhouse on the menu, I'm still probably gonna get a eight-ounce fillet and probably some sort of a potato side and. Maybe leave a little room for dessert. That's about it. Unless they have one of those like fancy bacon appetizers. Oh, like that's bacon. how things start. That's how things are going to start. All right, 4 o'clock on a Monday. What does that mean? It means winners and losers. Let's do it. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. I'm a loser, baby. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner, and will not tolerate a loser. One of those Mondays where it feels like you could make a list of about 15 winners if you really wanted to do that. Let me just go big, wide picture to start things off. It's kind of what we were talking about with Scott Barry earlier and what we opened the show with. How about college baseball in the state of Mississippi? Got a question from Dan just a little while ago about how Delta State is doing. They won the regional that they hosted in uh, in Cleveland last week. Had to go on the road this past weekend to uh, to Tampa, Florida, and lost in the uh, the second round of the playoffs. So they will not be advancing to the Division Two World Series. But a great season for Mike Kennison and, and Delta State. You got Mississippi State hosting as a top eight seed, Ole Miss hosting as a twelve seed, uh, Southern Miss headed to the uh, the Baton Rouge Regional. A lot of good junior college baseball, a lot of good baseball just all the way around. So the state of Mississippi for its college baseball, big time winner. Forky, what have you got? Figured you guys were going to go baseball, so I'll be quick with this one. Kawhi Leonard, the silent killer. 
elevated Toronto and brought them to the finals basically by himself without really even talking to his teammates. He's unbelievable and battling through an injury and he he got a lot of criticism, deserved criticism for basically just quitting on the Spurs at the end of his time there. But he reset, went to Toronto, now has them in the finals. They have no chance to win the thing. But he's been incredible these playoffs and really shut up a lot of, I hate to say it this way, but shut up a lot of the haters because he had a ton. And now he's solidified his position as one of the best players in the world. He's been incredible. Richard was hanging on every word of that. Could not get enough of this league. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Dad, give me a winner. Was he rolling his eyes? I can't see him. Was he doing something? (laughs) No, I was just listening, man. Well, first off, you're the real silent killer, Borky. Uh, I'm going to go with the guy we just talked to on the phone, and that's uh, Scott Barry and USM Baseball. They they were not going to make the NCAA tournament if they did not win the Conference USA tournament. Mission accomplished. They go down there. They get the job done, and we get what we wanted in this state, which was all three teams in regionals. And uh, they, they've got to be the winner for me. They, they did a great job. And uh, a deserve, they, I thought they deserved to be in regardless cause, because they're, they're a good team, and I never could figure out why they weren't playing better throughout the season because I know they had the pieces, but they figured it out at the right time. What you got, Rippy? Um, well, I guess after seven days in Hoover, I'd be remiss if I'd, I didn't do an Ole Miss-related one. So, you know, I guess I'll go Ole Miss as a whole because they really, you know, I, I thought they were – I thought this team really didn't have much of a pulse. Like, I thought you were just kind of a matter of outs and games away from, from this team kind of petering out. And they changed the course of their season over a six-day stretch at Hoover. Now they're inexplicably almost playing June baseball in Oxford. But I guess more specifically is Ryan Olenek. He missed his senior day because he uh, he was, like, bedridden uh, with a virus and uh, missed all three days. So I think he probably thought these were his last three games at home. Now he gets at least a couple more. Um, which I guess is good to see because I remember told, we talked to him the Monday or Tuesday after that happened, and he was he was really upset because it was graduation weekend and all that, and he missed missed a lot. So good for him there. Um, I, I would say also that Mike Bianco deserves to be on the uh, on the winners list for for just this for that I can remember for the second time in his career there was legitimate discussion about his future as the head coach of Ole Miss Baseball. It happened a little bit following the 2013 season going into 2014. There was some legitimate pressure on him to win in 2014. And that team ended up uh, winning a home regional, going on the road, winning a road super regional at Lafayette, and ultimately getting to the College World Series. There were legitimate conversations that were happening about Mike Bianco's future just a couple of weeks ago. We talked about him on this show. Ole Miss felt like, to your point a second ago, they were kind of left for dead. And then they go on a run in Hoover. They win four games in six days. And ultimately, they're back into a hosting situation uh, with an opportunity to win a regional at home and get back to their first Super Regional since 2014. And and I'm not going to say that whatever the criticisms were were not valid. They were. They, They were valid. But the other part of it is, if you're going to criticize for for lack of postseason success, you've now watched his team put themselves in a position to have postseason success. We'll see what happens next. I would put myself on the losers list. Okay. Really just running on Red Bull pumping through my veins and I'm out of clean clothes. Why? 
because I got back late last night. No, no, I understand why you're at it. Hold on now, you're only gone a week. Yeah, but... You've only got six shirts? <laughs> no, I've got more than six shirts in the rotation, but you're talking socks. You only have six pairs of socks? No, I went through more than six pairs of socks. It's 90 degrees there, man. It's disgusting. You went through one pair of socks a day? I wore one pair of socks twice. Heathen. Um, you got more than six pairs of underwear, right? Yes. Okay. Went through more than one pair of underwear a day. What? what, what this is a conversation for another day, apparently. <laughs> hey, Dad, should we extend winners and losers? We can. If we, I, I'm interested to see how far down the laundry uh, rabbit hole we can take Rippy. Yeah. Why Why do you only have Red Bull coursing through your veins? Uh, drinking a lot of it lately. 24-ouncer last night. That doesn't really have anything to do, though, with you covering the SEC tournament. Eh. It's just kind of you these days. Could have fell asleep at the wheel. It was like midnight when you got home. Still, driving at night? Not. Oh, my gracious. What are you, like 78 years old? Well, you've eliminated half my wardrobe with the zipper shirt, so I really am limited at this point. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't say you couldn't wear them. I just get to laugh at you when you do. Be sure you watch that one first tonight. Want to see it tomorrow. Preston. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Kendall Rogers will join us on the Farm Bureau phone line about 15 minutes from right now. Farm Bureau, check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Earlier today, we let you hear from Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach at Mississippi State. Media also caught up with Jake Mangum to talk with him about the regional that Mississippi State is hosting starting on Friday. Here's what Jake Mangum had to say. South Carolina weekend, you know, it wasn't you know, sad or anything for that because you knew we'd be here, but I was happy, you know. We need a big crowd. We, we need we need this place packed out, you know. Uh, we built the nicest stadium in the ballpark in our first season, and we're going to host a regional. You can't ask for much more. So uh, we're going to ask that we, we get a big crowd. We get everyone show up, bring your cowbells, because their presence matters. You know? um, you know, teams, college baseball teams aren't used to 13, 14, 15,000 people. I've done it for four years, and I'm still not quite used to it. Um, it, it your presence matters. If, if, if you want to help us get to Omaha, show up, be loud, bring cowbells. All of it. It, it. it goes a long way. It goes an extremely, extremely long way. And I, like I said the other day, I, I can't emphasize that enough. Um, help, help come be a part of something special. And, uh, and we need you all. We need all y'all to show up. We've had some pretty big moments at Diddy Noble Field, but if you guys are able to have success this week, and maybe in the Supers, I mean, where, where would that stack up among the, the biggest moments you've had here? It's, it's tough to beat last year's, you know. Um, Joining Omaha, the, the freshman year, winning the SEC regular season championship. Um, but you know, it, it, this kind of has that 2016 feel to it, um, kind of being that, that comfort piece of being here. But we're looking to finish this year. Uh, Sweatball Arizona the Super Regional was my freshman year. That was that, that one hurt. Um, the team had plenty enough talent to go to Omaha and, and more than enough talent to go to Omaha. And that shows you how hard it is to get to Omaha. So just because we're going to be here doesn't mean that you know you can 
take two weekends off and we're going to go to Auburn. We got work to do. Um, I myself need to find my swing back in the plate. Got a couple guys that need to do that. We got a couple days to do that here at home. Um, and that's what's been so big about being home. I get to hit the Palmero until Friday. I get to hit on, the, hit on duty Nova where I'm going to face somebody Friday night instead of uh, worrying about what I'm going to wear. Travel day, Wednesday, Thursday. You know, uh, we're going to be here and we're going to get right. Um, Coach said you had a couple days off. How much did you think about baseball and doing baseball things last couple days? I told myself I wasn't going to think about baseball, but I thought about it too much. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I actually hit yesterday, so uh, we're feel good. I think it was a really good two days. uh, Kind of reset, kind of hit a little bit. Um, Feel good, though. uh, Postseason baseball time with the kid. Gordy, let's cut that off there. It's a little bit difficult to hear, but uh, hey, Dad, I, I am kind of I interested out, in. I want to point out, I had a question, and Borky cut it out for some reason. I had well, the first question for Mike. I mean, you know. Well, we usually just start with the audio, but pretty strong plea from Jake Mangum to fans, and I don't know how much encouragement fans need to show up, and I don't know how much Jake Mangum saying, "Hey, we need you there." Um, you know, plays into whether or not people travel early on Friday or not. But but it was kind of interesting to hear him talk about how much of a difference that home field advantage can make. Yeah. Yeah, and he talked about that after the game uh, Friday night uh, in Hoover. He talked. He basically just reiterated those comments today that he expects MSU fans to show up for this uh, regional and give his team the uh, the home field advantage that it that it you know it's it's played for to this point. Um, you know, in the last couple of years they, they've run into tough situations. You know, playing at Vanderbilt, that's a good home field advantage. They was able to overcome that, but you know they had the home field advantage two years ago down at LSU. You know, that that's that's one of the toughest home fields there is. So he wants that kind of uh, same atmosphere this weekend and next weekend, hopefully, uh, at Diddy Noble. And there's some frustration there for him right now, also not swinging it as well as he has been. Yeah, and he talked a little bit about that. Uh, and with Mangum. You know, what can you tell him? You know, the guy's the all-time hit leader in SEC history. So, I mean, changing your approach is something that I don't think is a good idea uh, for Jake Mangum. Now, he said it himself. He's, he's gotten in the cage already. He'll be in the cage and be at practice all week. And if there's anybody I would trust to get it right and get it fixed, it, it's going to be Jake Mangum. So, uh, between he and Jordan Westberg, you know, we'll see what happens this weekend. When they're, when they're honestly, you know, they're not facing SEC pitching. So, should be a little bit easier task. I'm sure Miami and Central Michigan have good pitching. Southern has good pitching. Obviously, they beat LSU in the midweek, and they've got a guy who, who's faced SEC pit hitters before. But, you know, it's going to be a little bit, you know, not, not easier, but it, it is a, a step down in competition a little bit. So, we'll see if those guys can get it right. Switching gears just for a moment, I woke up to just the heartbreaking news yesterday that I'm sure many of you saw as well, the uh, the death of Rod Bramlett, the radio play-by-play voice of the Auburn Tigers, football for the last 16 years, baseball uh, for a lot longer than that. He and his wife were involved in a car accident. They were hit from behind at an intersection near the Auburn campus on uh, on Saturday night. And it was especially sobering for me because I had just spent some time with Rod on uh, on Tuesday at the SEC tournament. He and Andy Burcham, uh, who have been doing baseball together at Auburn for a really long time, or uh, I don't know if I would say close friends, but certainly friends of mine and guys that I run into four or five times a year. And uh, Rod leaves behind a son in high school and a daughter who's in college at Auburn. Just absolutely heartbreaking news. Just wanted to mention that this afternoon and uh, say that our... 
sympathy and prayers go out to the entire Bramlett and Auburn families. Five o'clock hour with you on this Memorial Day Monday. Richard Cross, Michael Borky in the studio in Jackson. Hey, Dad's in Starkville. Rippy is here in Oxford with me. We are glad to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. We will push back the college football fix just for a bit to uh, go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Kendall Rogers, who spent some time with us a couple of days last weekend in Hoover, joins us. Uh, Let's just start with the SEC tournament. Kendall, I thought it was overall as good an SEC tournament as I can remember maybe ever. Do you agree with that? Yeah, it was great. I mean, you look at the, the walk-offs there early in the tournament, and you know, I just thought the quality of play was, was very high. And, you know, sometimes you get into these conference tournaments, especially really as the week kind of progresses, and sometimes they can get pretty ugly. And, of course, the, that one LSU-Mississippi State game got a little ugly because, you know, I thought State, I'm not going to say they threw in the towel, but, I mean, they didn't need the game, and they weren't trying that hard to kind of come back and win it. But, you know, other than that, uh, it, it, every game was pretty much at a, at a high level, and I think that kind of gives you an idea of maybe what to expect in the postseason. Granted, there are a lot of SEC teams uh, paired with each other, but, uh, boy, there are a lot of these teams that are either pitching really well, they're hitting really well. You know, in the case of Ole Miss, you know, I know I know Vandy kind of got after them late uh, yesterday, but, boy, uh, it was very encouraging to see uh, Ole Miss play the way it did throughout the week. I thought Greg Kessinger was awesome uh, all week long. You know, the bullpen, for the most part, threw well with, you know, Austin Miller yesterday and uh, and then, you know, they, they got it done in a variety of ways. So that's very encouraging. I thought the game yesterday was interesting. Even when Ole Miss was ahead 9-1, to it felt like Vanderbilt yeah. was going to make a run. But that game settled down. Once it was 10-10 in the, what, the seventh, all of a sudden both teams kind of upped it a little bit on the mound and, and you end up with the walk-off from Vandy after a couple of strikeouts to, to start that inning and then three straight walks. But that was – it was a pretty – uh, fascinating championship game? Is that the, the right word for it? Yeah, you know, I think when you look at the, the start that Ole Miss got off to, I think I, I was talking to someone on the phone while I was watching the game, and I remember telling them, like, hey, this game's far from over. Not not because Ole Miss is going to, you know, not because I thought Ole Miss was going to blow it, just, like, Vanderbilt's offense is just so good. And, you know, if you, even if you get up that big early, they're going to make a run at some point. You know, it's almost like, Vandy, even the score, and like, hey, let's just let's go back to normal now. Like, you know, let's let's go back and start back at zero zero or something. So, uh, I thought it was a well played game. You know, I, you know, Austin Miller, I thought looked like a man possessed at the one inning where he got a big strikeout. Uh, that was kind of cool to see that in motion in a conference tournament game. And again, I, I feel very encouraged by what I saw from Ole Miss. That was something that was de- you know desperately lacking. I thought the last couple of weeks of the regular season, there was a lot of urgency from that team and. Uh, they were rewarded with a regional host. The, the committee got it right with Ole Miss as a regional host. Kendall, last thing on on that kind of a, a bridge from the SEC tournament to the the selections uh, or the the field being announced today. Ole Miss slated as the twelfth seed overall. Does that lead you to believe that even if they had lost to Georgia in the semifinals, that Ole Miss would have been a host? It certainly looks like it. I mean, I mean, you can't go from a, a 17 or an 18 to 12 uh, in one game. And so, yeah, I, I think so. I think that gives, that gives me an idea that the committee probably valued Ole Miss a little bit more than, than we probably did going into that final game. And, you know, again, I don't have an issue with it. I think you look at Ole Miss even, even going in that game with, with 20 uh, SEC wins in the aggregate, 
Uh, you look at the top 50, the top 100 metrics. I know the RPI wasn't within range, but hey, you know what? You have to dive into Ole Miss's resume and look at where that RPI is coming from. And if you're the committee, you're looking at Ole Miss's resume and go, hey, their RPI is that low because they, you know, they had a couple of stinkers in the middle week, and that's kind of dragging the RPI down. That was what's happened with LSU as well. And so I think the committee probably noticed that. Certainly, Ole Miss is going to rank very well with the regional advisory committee when you look at that team from a talent standpoint. Obviously, it's it's a premium talent club, so they probably rated well with the RAC committee, uh, and uh, you know I think the metrics added up. But you know, twelve is a little high for me, but uh, you know I have zero issue with them being a top sixteen. That's well deserved. Hey, Kendall, it's Brian Haydad, and sort of the same question from the Mississippi State perspective. You know, I think your last projection had them as the three seed. They end up as the six seed. Georgia Tech is a top four seed. I want you to talk me through how that happened. That's a great question. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but, you know, I would have had State certainly have had a Georgia. Um, you know, I think when you look at State sweeping Georgia, I'm not really exactly sure how you could have them behind Georgia. But, uh, you know, but that, that's the committee for you. And then when you look at Georgia Tech, I think the biggest thing for Tech is, you know, they finished a, a little bit like uh, Mississippi State at the top of that conference. They finished at the top of the ACC along with Louisville, uh, and they got uh, their conference championship game. I think that was pretty much probably the deciding factor there. Uh, they do have pretty good metrics. Uh, they played a nice non-conference schedule. Uh, they took care of business against SEC teams in non-conference. And so, uh, again, kind of like Ole Miss in the pecking order, uh, I think Georgia Tech's a little high. I would have them behind all those SEC teams. But uh, you just kind of wonder if maybe they were wanting to mix it up a little bit. Kendall Rogers on your radio from D1 Baseball, D1Baseball.com. I've heard you say or, or I've seen what you've put on Twitter a, a couple of times throughout the day that overall you feel like the committee got it right. Is yeah. is TCU the one that, that maybe there's the biggest question about? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I just think when you look at TCU, I, I would just rather – I mean. Uh, as opposed to putting in a team that, you know, I, I don't know what in the world Ray Tanner was talking about today where somehow how they finished. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they played a couple of nice games in the Big 12 tournament, but, I mean, they lost four of their last six. They just lost. He, he mentioned the health of their team getting better. They just lost two guys for the year a week ago. So I'm not like I'm not sure where in the world they were getting those notes from. So uh, at the end of the day, do I think TCU is, is, a, is you know, has the talent of a top 64 team? Sure. So are they a top 64 team right now? Probably not. I mean, I, I would have in a team like a BYU or a Houston that, for the most part, spent much of the season taking care of business, especially BYU. Yeah, I get it. Like, their RPI metrics weren't great. But uh, then, you know, that's a team that, you know, was solid all year long. They hit well. They won a conference championship uh, in the WCC. And the WCC is not a bad league. It's not, you know, it's not even, I wouldn't even say it's Conference USA. But it's not a horrible league. So I'd, I would have rewarded a conference champ like a Texas State or a BYU. But, you know, TCU, Jim Schlossnagel, uh, you know, Crystal Conte on the committee is one of his uh, closest friends. And you got to figure Chris probably went to bat for him a little bit. Kendall, give me a top eight seed and then also a, a, a seed nine through 16 where the host should be on upset alert. Yeah, you know, I think we, when you look around the field overall, you know, I just think when you look at, you know, for instance, you know, the UCLA regional, I'll keep an eye on, on somebody like Baylor. You know, I think when you look at, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, when you're looking at the top eight seeds, you know, Louisville's a team for me that, 
at times this year has kind of teetered a little bit. I think you look at you know Georgia Tech. I mean, is a, is a great example. I would keep an eye on Coastal Carolina and the regional guys. I think when you look at Coastal, you know, if you remember right, we had them ranked in the preseason. They're a supremely talented team, especially for mid-major. Uh, you know Gary Gilmore will have those guys ready, and so I'm intrigued to see what happens with them. I think when you look at the Athens Regional, uh, you know, always keep an eye on Florida State. Um, you know, 11, I think we'll have those guys ready to roll to want to go on a pretty impassioned run for him. And uh, so I'd keep an eye on, uh, you know, Florida State. And then, you know, looking at some of these other regionals, you know, Arkansas, I think Arkansas will take care of business. Uh, though I would keep an eye on someone like uh, California, Jared Horn, Andrew Vaughn, uh, two guys to certainly watch there. And then, you know, I, I think you look at Texas Tech with Florida. You know, I, I saw a little something different from Florida and Hoover guys. And what I mean by that, that game against A&M, even though they lost, you know, they got down early against uh, against uh, Asa Lacey and the Aggies. But the way they kind of systematically battled back in that game, uh, you know, showed me something about these guys. Because before the Missouri series, this was not a team that was going to battle back like that. And so the fact that, you know, Brady Smith and company, Brady McConnell, they kind of got things rolling a little bit, that kind of tells me they're a different team right now. So circle Florida, it, it would not shock me that much that maybe I'm giving Florida too much credit. But it would not shock me that much if they won that regional because I think they're going to hit that environment. That's a very offensive ballpark uh, in Lubbock. I think they're going to hit there, and uh, you know they beat Texas Tech last year in Omaha with Jack Leftwich on the mound. They're going to they're going to feel like they can beat the Red Raiders. Did you feel like Mississippi State and Ole Miss got good draws in the regionals in Starkville and Oxford, respectively? Yeah, I do think so. I think when you look at uh, you, know, you look at Mississippi State, I just think when you look at that field overall. You know, Miami's a good club. You know, let's uh, let's face it, Evan McKendry, Chris McMahon, uh, you know, Daniel Fetterman, guys like that on the back end. They've got some solid arms. Uh, the big key with Miami is, is keeping Adrian Del Castillo and Alex Terrell, um, you know, in check. Terrell is a, is a guy who you look at his batting average and you're like, okay, this guy isn't very good. Then you kind of scroll over to the, um, you know, to the slugging percentage and the home runs and you're kind of like, okay, now I get it. Adrian Del Castillo is a guy that can really, really shop in the gap. Uh, at the plate, he's a, he can, he's a big time gap hitter. Uh, I like his old school style, doesn't use batting gloves, and he's kind of a throwback player. So keeping those guys at bay is a big key. And I think when you look at the number three seed, Jordan Bischel has really done a phenomenal job at Central Michigan. Uh, the Chippewas can really pitch. Uh, so, you know, they could be dangerous. You know, that, that could be an upset watch game for me uh, is, uh, you know, those guys against Miami. Uh, I have no doubt that Central Michigan is going to get Miami all they can handle them looking at Oxford. Um, you know, I think thirty seconds left. Yeah, I think Illinois for me. You know, Andy Fisher and those guys—they really pitched at a high level. And then Clemson, you really never know what to expect from these guys. So they're kind of all over the board, but they have enough talent. But uh, I do—I know people will probably laugh at me, but I do like Ole Miss's chance of getting out of that regional. I think they're playing at a high level, and I think they have a sense of urgency. Kendall, great stuff. No, it's been a busy day for you. Always good visiting with you. You got it, fellas. Be good. It's Kendall Rogers on the Farm Bureau phone line. Always good to visit with Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball. He's had a busy day with the field of 64 being announced. I haven't gone back and looked to see how close they were. Have you looked to see on, on their predictions versus how it turned out? No, I have not. I got you. No. He said they got, I think they said that they got 64 out of 65 teams right. Obviously, you know, picking where they're going to end up is a crapshoot. So. 63 to 64, 60, 63 65, and we'd have a real problem on our hands. <laughs> One's, one regional's got five teams in it this year. I mean, they put TCU in, so, you know, what's what's one more team? 
Yeah. Sure, Missouri should just show up at a regional, see what happens. <laughs> I'm sure the NCAA would love you that. You want us out? It? You're going to have to kick us out yourself. Let the tutor be the first one off the bus. Ooh. <laughs> a little salty there. Um, Sports Talk's brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. It's time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. And remember this, from now through the 4th of July, there's special savings for veterans and first responders. Whether you are a former or active military member or a first responder, you can get Extra savings on top of the current incentives that are going on the car, truck, or SUV that you're looking at buying. That's only at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. We uh, we talked on Thursday, I guess it was, Thursday and Friday, about the fact that Ross Bjork has left Ole Miss to go be the athletics director at Texas A&M. Four days after that was announced, Ole Miss announced that Keith Carter will serve as the interim athletics director as the school begins a search for Bjork's replacement. In reality, they're not starting that search anytime soon because the search for a replacement for a new permanent athletics director will not begin until a new chancellor is named, and that is expected to happen in October at the earliest. You say at the earliest, that means it could be November, it could be December, could even stretch into the new year. So I would expect that... uh, Keith Carter will be in the interim athletics director chair for uh, at least most of the rest of 2019. I think it's probably a decision that makes sense. Uh, a quote here from uh, from Larry Sparks, who's the interim chancellor. Keith Carter is a well-known leader with Ole Miss Athletics. He succeeded consistently as a Rebel athlete, administrator, broadcaster, and fundraiser. His standing with Rebel fans everywhere will serve Ole Miss Athletics and the university well during this interim period and uh, Carter is excited about it as well. I talked with him earlier. In fact, Keith is, um, if everything goes well from a schedule standpoint, going to join us tomorrow afternoon. We'll get to uh, talk with him a little bit about what he expects the uh, the next few months to uh, to look like. Um, Borky, what, what's your, your thought on this announcement coming from Ole Miss earlier today? Um, it just sheds light on how dysfunctional the entire process is. Not because of who they promoted as the interim athletics director by everybody, especially you, and your word carries a lot of weight. He's a good person and will do a fine job in the interim role, but the fact that you have no idea how long it will last or anything on a timeline, it just highlights how ridiculous the entire situation is. By no fault of Ole Miss's own in this case, but just the fact that he's taking over as interim for however long it takes for political people to drag their feet on appointing a new chancellor is just ridiculous. Um, How does he, as the interim athletics director, lay out an action plan? You know what I mean? I mean, when he walks into his office, I guess we'll ask him that tomorrow, but when he sits down in, in his office today, or tomorrow if he had the day off, what, nah, he's what does he start planning for? The for? Spring meetings. Okay. Well, then when he gets back from that, what does he start planning for, and and for how long? It, it's it's setting him up for having an awkward situation because he doesn't know how long he's got the job for. Well, I think to some degree, and, and I'm just thinking out loud here. 
the the role that that Keith Carter is expected to play is to run the department on a day-to-day basis. He's not being brought in to make major hiring and firing decisions. Um, He's not being brought in to lay out a brand-new agenda or launch some massive marketing plan or some massive fundraising plan. His job is to be the guy that ultimately everybody reports to. And I would think that you rely more heavily, maybe even than you have in the past, on on delegation. Uh, the the people who are over the departments are probably going to have a little bit bigger role. Uh, you know, my question is, do they have to appoint an acting director of the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation? Uh, you know, Keith's role has has grown over the last few years. He is, or, or was, the deputy athletic director for development and resource acquisition. That's a big title. He's in charge of the money. He is over the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation. But a couple of years ago, they had some changes in the athletics department, and Keith was assigned baseball and basketball as being the the senior administrator over those two sports. And so he's been overseeing baseball and basketball, kind of being the liaison between those coaches, those programs, and the athletics department. Uh, over the last couple of years. So he'll have to delegate, I would think, some of his current responsibilities in order to take over the the day-to-day role of running the department. To me, this goes above him, though. Like, like, from the interactions I've had with Keith, I think he's going to do a good job, and he's obviously a really smart guy. But, like, when you don't have a chancellor and there doesn't appear to be a chancellor being hired anytime soon... And you need to hire a chancellor before you hire an athletic depart- athletic director. Like, if there's not a chancellor in January of 2020, does that mean you still have an interim AD? Because that could be problematic. Depending on how football goes this year? Well, for a multitude of reasons. That definitely being one of them, yeah, sure. Or, I mean, it, he, a- he actually inherits a department that's more stable than it has been in a long time. Yeah, there were there were the baseball questions that existed just a couple of weeks ago. That conversation has gone away. Matt Luke is going into year two of a four year contract. And so, you know, barring football just being an absolute train wreck, then you're probably not looking at a change there. And Kermit Davis is coming off an NCAA basketball. Yeah, and sure, the hiring and firing thing is not as important as, I mean, programs need vision and direction. I mean, if you look at the SEC, everything's an arms race, and everybody is planning their next thing. Well, if you've got a guy that is just running day-to-day operations for, I mean, almost a year or three-fourths of a year, you're you're not doing anything like that, and you're getting left behind. So you either have to allow this person to do something like that, or you may fall backwards because everybody else is upgrading and everybody else is planning and raising money and, and doing all that stuff. This has happened before, though, and it happens all anytime there's the need to like an athletic director leaves or is fired. Like there's an interim replacement, but I guess kind of to what Borky is getting at, it's the length of it. There's a more specific timeline, Because there's no one in place to hire a new athletic director, this could go on for a long time. Well, for example, Texas A&M put R.C. Slocum in the AD chair when Scott Woodward left. And a month later, they announced his replacement, and a month after that, they're going to have the replacement in that office. Well, wouldn't you say, and you, like, 
I mean, you've been around longer than I have, like quite literally just years-wise. Like you've seen more of it. Wouldn't you say that's on the shorter end of that process? Because to me, like AD changes seem to be longer and more drawn out for probably a variety of reasons than coaching searches. But wouldn't you say that A&M thing, like they acted very swiftly, like that seems to be on the shorter end. Yeah, and and I mean, the the case with Texas A&M, it could have gone faster, actually. They targeted three guys and went after them and swung and missed. They went after Dan Radakovich at Clemson. They went after Kirby Hocutt at Texas A&M. They went after Rob Mullins at Oregon. And all those three guys said no, and then they zeroed in on Ross Bjork, and they were able to get a deal done with him. And and the actual deal, I mean, the, the first conversation that Texas A&M had with Ross Bjork outside of, hey, you're on the list and we're going to talk to you, happened on Tuesday of last week. And then they offered him the job on Wednesday, negotiated the contract, and made the announcement on Wednesday night. It's just interesting to me to watch it because when you have two positions that need to be filled, one has to be filled in order to fill the other, and the first position that you need to fill in order to fill the second one is basically in like a stalemate and not nearly close to being done. No, I, I agree with you. That seems uh, suboptimal, I guess, for lack of a better word. Yeah, uh, there's no question about that. Um, but if you're looking for some stability in the interim, then Keith Carter was the guy that, that made the most sense. And really, your options were, were fairly limited. Keith Carter was an option. Michael Thompson was an option as a, a senior, I think, deputy athletics director is his title. Lynette Johnson is the senior women's administrator. And then another name that I kind of threw out last week when we were talking is your, your faculty athletics representative, Ron Rischleck. Those were really about the only options that were there. And I think going to Keith Carter was a pretty easy decision for for Larry Sparks. And you hope that things can kind of plug along. Borky, the only thing I was going to say a second ago, and I know we're out of time, is there aren't any major projects on the board right now because Ole Miss doesn't have the money to build anything new right now. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.